Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. But we've been in this. This is part three today. How many of y'all have been here from the start of this series? It's been so good. It's been uh, challenging and encouraging, both. And so the whole purpose behind this series called Believe is to understand what we believe as Christians, as believers, and and why we believe it. And and I believe, personally, uh, I I think there's never been a time more than now, I've said this probably every week, I'm going to keep saying it because it's true, there's never been a time more than now that our beliefs, what we believe as Christians, is both challenged and questioned. Not necessarily by the world, especially by the world, but even personally. I I know there's some believers that are questioning what they believe, but more importantly, why they believe what they believe. So we want to cover that and and kind of dive into that as the series goes. And what we're really doing is exposing some lies. We're exposing the lies that have crept into our beliefs and these kind of half-truths that the devil works with and kind of inserts into our thinking and inserts into our beliefs, because the devil's going to hit you hardest where you believe. He can attack your prayer life. He can attack your family. But if he can insert the slightest bit of doubt into what you believe, you'll begin to question almost everything. And he even did that at the beginning, right? We look at Adam and Eve in the the garden, and, and, and the devil says, did God really say that? Automatically, he's inserting doubt into what God said. And so we're, we're exposing some lies, but more importantly, we're exposing the truth. Yes. Amen? Because we beheld the glory of the Father full of grace and truth. And that word truth meaning unconcealed or unhidden. So we saw the glory of the Father, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and all unhiddenness. He's, it's, not, it's not hidden from us anymore. We have access to the Father. Amen. And so we've been looking into the Gospel of John, and there's this underlying theme in the Gospel of John of believe, and how John uh, works at removing the blindfold, you could say, so that we can see and believe. Uh, One thing that the world is really big at in believing is seeing is believing. If I can see it, I believe it, right? But what we need to do as believers, as Christians, as sons and daughters of the Father is move from seeing is believing to believing what is unseen, because our faith is not in what is seen, but in what is unseen. And so John, I love the way John presents uh, the the account of Jesus, because he talks about the signs that Jesus did, proving uh, proving that Jesus was the Son of God, not just another man, but the Son of God, proving the divinity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. And so we're really focusing in on on what we believe in Jesus, as Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, Uh, because Christians, believers, uh, we are those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, but more importantly, we live as though Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And we looked at John chapter 20, verses uh, 31, and it says this, but these have been written, why? So that you may believe, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Believe that he is Jesus the Christ. Again, Jesus Christ is not his last, Christ is not his last name. Christ is who he is. He's the Messiah. Believing that he is the Christ and living in the life, the abundant life of Christ Jesus. And again, believing uh, salvation is all about transformation, changing us completely. We are a completely new creation. And so we have to live as though we believe. And Adrian and I were talking on the way to church this morning. I'm going to go ahead and insert it before I forget it, because I didn't write it in my notes. And I was like, man, this is good. Okay. Are y'all with me today? Are we awake? Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus! Amen. Uh, so she, she, she asked me, and I forget exactly what we were talking about, but we were talking about lifestyles. And uh, how can, uh, what was the question? Yeah, what about sins that are a lifestyle? 
can, can sins that are a lifestyle be Christians? And I, I immediately said, well, Christianity is a lifestyle. It's not a label. It's a lifestyle. And if we can learn to understand that, then our life begins to change. I'm not just a Christian by label. I'm a Christian by life, for life in Christ Jesus. And so the, if, if I'm going to live the lifestyle of a Christian, then that must override the lifestyle of what is not Christian. Amen? Amen. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's not a label. We with me on that one? I want, I want to talk about life in Christ Jesus today. It is a lifestyle. It's not a label. So look at me. We're going to continue John chapter 1. We're going to almost close it out. So we got a, a little bit of reading to do today. Is that okay? But all of this is extremely important. So if you look at me at John chapter 1, we're going to read 19 to 34. Lord have mercy. It's okay. We'll get there. 19 to 34. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't say, hold on. It's okay. We got it behind me, right? Yeah. I believe. John chapter 1, 19 to 34. It says, this is the testimony of John. And when the Jews sent, him, sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, right? There's the truth. He confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am a voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as Isaiah the prophet said. Can I just stop right here really quick? This is free. This isn't in my notes. You are a voice. I love how John opens up, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. We talked about that in week one a little bit last week. It's not about what, it's not about my story. It's not about who I am. This is about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, who is there from the beginning and has an end in mind. It's more than just a blip on the radar. And that's what John the Baptist is saying here. It's not about me. Stop asking who I am. I'm just a voice in the wilderness crying out, make way, make a way for the Lord. And that's, that's what I want to encourage you. You are a voice. It's not about you. And so I, want, I, want to, I just want to encourage you. Some of us might be like, I just can't because uh, I'm afraid what people will think about me. It's not about you. And it's not your identity, but you are a voice for the identity. And it's the Holy Spirit who fills your mouth, so really you're his voice on this earth. So when you open your mouth to speak about the good news of Jesus Christ, and this is why Jesus said, when people hate you, don't worry, they're actually hating me. Because it's not about you. This is the voice. I'm just a voice, Stephen. I'm just here to say, hey, make way. Make way, because Jesus is coming. Yes. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for him. There's no other way. So don't worry about what people think. <laughs> worry about what the king thinks, Amen. what the Father thinks. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. That was free. Make straight the way of the Lord. Verse 24, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. How about the religious people? And they asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them saying, I baptize in water. But among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him. And said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, look, the Lamb of God, identity, who takes away the sin of the world. What? If we can learn to communicate as the voice of the one crying out, the wilderness is all around us. We'll call it the worldliness. I gotta make up a word every once in a while, Justin. Right? If we can be the voice crying out, behold, look, 
It's the Lamb of God who who takes away the sins of the world. What? That's why he came. That was the whole purpose. That was the whole mission. And if we can learn when we open our mouth to reveal the identity of who he is, and when we open our, our mouth not just just reveal who he is, but why he came, then our testimony will line up with the full gospel. And I want to break this down a little bit today. Open our mouth to exclaim and explain who he is. The next day he saw Jesus coming and said to him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said. See, John was always talking about him. Are you always talking about him? This is he on whose behalf I, I talked about, whom I said. After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I. He existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. Verse 32, John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. We talked about that last week, the Trinity. Amen? The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. In this one moment, when Jesus is baptized, we see all three on display. The Father, the Spirit coming down, descending as a dove. The Father saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The three in one. John testifies saying, I've seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. He remained upon him. That's huge. I said this at the men's thing, didn't I? Did I talk about this? This is huge. The Spirit descended and remained. Jay, that's big. Because up until this point, the Spirit would come down and rest on somebody and then go away. Look in the Old Testament. The Spirit would come down, bring a revelation, and then it would leave. But this time, the Spirit came down, brought the revelation, and the revelation remained. And so this is why it's so important to walk in the Spirit and walk by the Spirit so you are constantly walking in revelation instead of just on a Sunday. Amen? Amen? This is the Spirit. Uh, where am I? Did, it did not, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. He remained upon him. I did not recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified. That's big right there. I have seen and I have testified. I will, will, I will not withhold the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. I will not be a spiritual hoarder. People need to hear this. People need to see this. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings the signs. It's the Holy Spirit that brings the revelation, that, that opens our eyes, amen, to see. And so I love where John is going as we're about to close out this chapter. We've been in this chapter, one chapter for three weeks. Hallelujah, right? I love where John is going as we, as we close out this chapter. He moves into witness mode. He's explained who Jesus is, and now he's shifted into why Jesus is or why Jesus came. In other words, John is showing us how to be an effective witness, how to be an effective witness. What is a witness? And, and we can look into like the actual legal definitions and all that, but can, can I just give mine? I wrote this down, right? A witness is someone with firsthand experience and knowledge of the truth of what was done. And they are willing to share that experience and knowledge with anyone to convince them of the truth, to convince, persuade. Uh, we talked about this on Easter Sunday, Paul giving his testimony to King Agrippa. What did King Agrippa say? You almost convinced me. And one thing that I pointed out is hell is full of people saying and crying out, Almost, I almost gave my life to Jesus. I almost believed. Do you almost believe or do you believe, believe? And do you live like you believe? Let's dive into this today. What is a witness? It's someone with firsthand experience and knowledge of the truth, and they're willing to share that experience and knowledge with anyone. Uh, I looked up another definition. This is an actual definition. They help clarify. They bring clarity to what happened by telling everyone they know about the event. This one is even better. It says, a witness helps define and enlighten. 
a judge or a jury of what happened during an event. Because, because until that witness brings light to the situation, everything is dark. We don't, they don't know. They don't fully know what happened. They don't fully know the answer. And so many people are walking around in darkness, blind. They don't know. But if we would be an effective witness to bring light into the dark, we are a light in the darkness, not out of the darkness. We are light in the darkness to shed some light and encouragement on the answer. Everybody's looking for an answer. We have it. We have the solution. We have to be willing to share it. And apart from the word, remember that being truth, the word is truth. Apart from the word, your witness is the ammunition you need against the devil. More importantly, it is the tool that you need to convince the world. The truth, that being the word, and your testimony, that being grace. We saw the whole, the, the, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I mentioned this on the Wednesday night reflection. I really want to encourage you guys to come to that this, this week, Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. But I mentioned this on Wednesday. How many of us can give a story of grace, what God has done in our life, but we, we, we fail at weaving in the truth of the word. We're so knowledgeable about the grace of God. We know what God did, but we don't necessarily knew, know who God is. And so we saw the full revelation of the glory of God, full of grace and truth. That is, that is God sending his son as a witness, a full expression, bringing light into the darkness. Full revelation, a full expression and explanation of God himself, full of grace and truth. And, and us being a reflection of God need to be able to give our story full of grace and truth because it's what? The truth that sets people free. It's the grace that accepts, but it's the truth that transforms. Last week we hit that. So, so grace and truth, knowing what the word says, not just knowledge of the word, but knowing the word. I said this, I think I said it in, the, in, the, in our serve rally this morning. It's one thing to commit the word to memory. That's great. But it's a whole nother ball game to commit it to motion. And to live it out. You can, you can be knowledgeable in the word, but do you know the word? Are you walking in the word? Are you walking in the light? And even the apostle Paul did this. Uh, in Acts chapter 17, we read that he reasoned with them, that being the Greeks, with Scripture. Paul reasoned with the Greeks with Scripture. He is the truth. Not just grace, not just his story, not just his testimony, but also with Scripture, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ, this is the whole thing that I'm reading right here, that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, this Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you, is the Christ. He used the Scripture and his story to convey and convince people about the wonder-working power of Jesus Christ, the love of Christ. And I like the way John puts it in our theme verse. These things have been written. Here's a first-hand account. I experienced all of this. Here's what I witnessed so that you may believe. I wrote it all down. I'm sharing it with you so that you will believe convincingly. So we're going to break this down a little bit today. What to do with your belief. What to do with your belief. And the first thing is simply don't hide it. Don't be ashamed of it. What to do with your belief. A believer, again, is someone that believes Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and lives their life as if Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And let me explain that last part. The life that we live in Jesus is not an ordinary life. What does John 10, 10 say? The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come, why? That you may have life, but not just life. Life more abundantly. And so we can say that we believe, but when we live, we should be living extraordinarily. In the abundance of, of Christ, above and beyond. Let me put it like this. 
An effective witness can explain who Jesus is, the grace, and why Jesus came, the truth that leads to transformation, to live a different life. So first, what what do you do with your belief? Number one, belief is meant to be shared. Belief is meant to be shared, not hidden. We're taking uh, the same approach as John here. John wrote all of these things so that you would believe. A witness, a true witness withholds nothing from the people they are trying to convince. And this is why we see Jesus, the word, in the flesh. Even God didn't withhold anything by sending his son. The full witness, the full uh, revelation and expression of who he is by sending a full explanation expression and explanation of himself to the world to convince us to believe. Listen, I want you to understand this today. God wants us to believe. It's not his will that anyone should perish. He wants everyone to believe. Everyone. Not just, not just a couple people. Everyone. Everyone. Who said it? Everybody. He wants everybody to believe. It is his will that you believe. Because when you believe, we come back into alignment with him. And he wants to be in relationship with you. That's why he sent his son to die on a cross, to be with you. It's his desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that being grace and truth, a full transformation. And we see this with John. These things are written. These signs, these wonders are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And, and, even, and even God shows us the greatest example in being a witness, getting to the truth. Jesus is, uh, I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but, but Jesus is, is, is the witness of God. The full revelation and expression and explanation of who God is. And, and it says that he is the, the, the full expression of grace and truth. God quickly just had to get to the truth. And if we can learn to convey that in our testimony and in our witness, just get to the truth. That's that's probably the most important thing I want you to hear today. If somebody asks you and you are ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you with all gentleness and respect, if you are ready, you should always be ready, get to the truth quickly because it's the truth that brings freedom. People need to hear the truth. They can hear your story all day. Just don't take six days to tell your story. Get to the truth. Share the truth. John gives witness to Christ by giving a quick definition. We even saw at the beginning. His first verse, the first thing he opens up with is the truth of the identity of who Christ is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Straight to the truth. And if we can learn to give that, if we, when we are given a chance to witness, to, to be, give a witness to Jesus Christ, to what we believe, we need to get to the truth quickly. Amen? Amen. It's, like, it's like this. Our witness... Uh, needs to be a double-edged sword. Can I say that? Yeah. Our witness needs to be a double-edged sword. On one side, we have the grace of our testimony. On the other side, we have the truth of his word. And if we can wield that sword, we'll be effective in giving the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just our opinion of the gospel. Amen? Amen? Our testimony is the grace of God at work in our life, and we are knowledgeable of the grace of God, but so many people and believers lack knowledge of the truth, and an effective witness can share both the grace of God and the truth of God and how it will work in the recipient's life and who they're sharing the message with. Amen? Get to the truth. It's the truth that sets people free, and it's the truth that gets people to the Father. There's a reason why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life no one gets to the Father except through me. It's the truth that gets people to the Father. So let me break this down. Three ways to speak the truth about Jesus. Three ways to speak the truth about Jesus to make sure you get there. To not waste time, but get to the truth. And the first one is this, rightly define who he is. John shows us. John shows us this. Even John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Get to who he is. Explain and define, rightly define who he is. He is the son of God. 
He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He came to the world to die for you. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good man. He's not just a historical figure. He is the Son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Rightly define who he is. It is Jesus Christ. He is Jesus Christ, uh, God in the flesh, who came here to pay for my sins and, to, and for your sins and to die on a cross. And there is salvation in no other name except for Jesus Christ. The second one is this. Rightly define why he came. Define who he is and define why he came. Can I just say this? Jesus Christ didn't die on a cross for your self-esteem to get bigger. He didn't come to raise your self-esteem. He didn't come so that you can have a bigger house or a larger bank account. That's not why Jesus came. The abundant life that I'm speaking of is not a bigger house and a bigger bank account and a luxury car. Are you with me today? Jesus Christ came to glorify God by demonstrating love through grace and truth. So that everybody, er, say it, everybody, so that all of the world would be saved. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to remove the blindfold and reveal the glory of God to us and bring us back into alignment with him. The third one is this, explain why he's important. So you rightly define who he is. You rightly define why he came. And the the third one is this, explain why he's important. Jesus didn't die on a cross for us to pray a prayer of salvation and continue living the way that we want to live. He came so that we would have life and life abundantly, completely transformed, completely renewed. That's why Jesus said you must be born again, not resuscitated, but a new creation. You must be born again. You, uh, we have to learn to explain why he's important. And, and, and I think we've missed the point. Jesus is the Lord of everything. And when we sell a gospel that allows me to take hold of a moment, rather than give him every moment, then we've got it wrong. Praying a prayer of salvation is just a moment. But he, he, he must be Lord of every moment after that. Amen. It's a lifestyle. It's not a label. It's not a title. Amen? It's a lifestyle. So we have to be clear with that. We have to be clear with explaining why he's important. There's a real need to why he came, and it's my sin. I'll just I'll flat out and say, it's my sin. He came for me. And if nobody else was in here, he came for me. And he came for you to die on a cross for your sin, to bring you back into alignment and relationship with him. He came to reclaim my life. Messiah came, sinners to reclaim and to redeem us. And here's the thing, not to just say that we believe, but to live in that redemption, to to live in that salvation. In other words, let me say it like this, our life should be an undeniable explanation of who Jesus Christ is. Our life should be an undeniable explanation of who Jesus Christ is. Amen? Amen. It should be evident. Salvation should be evident in our life. And this is what I love. John, John as we, as we kind of get to the end of what we opened up with, John talks about water baptism, and we believe water baptism is symbolic of the old man dying and uh, our sins being washed away and the new man uh, uh, coming up, right? Everybody been baptized or believe in baptism. That's what we believe. That's why we show it. It's symbolic. It's, it's an open and outward demonstration of, of our next step in believing Jesus Christ, that he is our Lord. It's a commitment Right? That's why we ask, are, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And then we baptize. It's a commitment. It's, it's, a, it's an outward demonstration that I am going into the next step 
and following deeper into my relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and again, it's not just resuscitation, but it's a whole new creation. But John begins to explain something that goes beyond that. And I want to talk about this today. He says, I come to baptize with water, but there is one who comes after me who's greater than me, and he comes to baptize in the Holy Spirit. I really want to jump into this today. Can I do that? I'm going to do it anyway. Look at verse 33 and 34. It says, I did not recognize him. Let me pause right there. This is John the Baptist. Anybody know the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus? Who was John and like, what was their relationship? Cousins. They were cousins. And Jonathan, I didn't know who he was. Huh? <laughs> and what he's saying is, he, imagine, okay, imagine you got a cousin, Caleb, and your cousin was like, don't tell nobody this, but um, kind of like the Messiah. <laughs> like, what would you be reacting like, dude, serious? Come on. Really? And that's what, I, that's what I like to think John the Baptist is like. I didn't really recognize him at first. I didn't really know who he was. And so, so that, that's just kind of like my take on it. I might be wrong. But he says, I didn't recognize him, but he who sent me, that being the Father, he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon, you see, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen. I didn't recognize him at first, but when the Holy Spirit came down and remained on him, then I knew. When the anointing was evident, then I knew. Then I saw him. I have myself have seen. And now I just can't keep it to myself. Amen. I've seen and now I've got to testify. Now I've got to say something. And he says, I, I've come to baptize in water, but there's one among us that has come to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And this is something we need to hear today. Some of us have received the baptism of, of blood. Let me explain that, right? The blood covers our sin. At the moment of salvation, the blood covers our sin. It's baptism from the Father. I love the way Robert Morris puts this in, in his sermon series, The God I Never Knew. There's, he, he talks about three baptisms. It's really cool. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Daryl, I sent it to you. It's good. Daryl even was like, let me see part three. I was like, I don't know. I ain't seen part three. I'm, I'm stuck on part two. <laughs> but he talks about this, and he says, uh, he, he, he defines three baptisms. Baptism in blood, that being salvation. Blood of the Lamb. Baptism in water, that being baptism, what we know and understand. And then baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's three baptisms, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We talked about last, last week with the Trinity, right? The three are one. So, so he identifies uh, being baptized in the blood of salvation, where the blood covers our sin, and then we demonstrate our commitment to follow Christ by baptism in water, symbolizing our sin being washed away. But it must go deeper than that. Our sin can be covered. Our sin can be washed away. But this next step, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit keeps sin at bay. The blood covers, the water washes, and the Spirit enables us to live a life away from sin, apart from sin. I want to dump it, dive in, jump into this and dive into this today. Amen. So let me tell you why this is important. A blood, the blood of, of Jesus covers, the water washes, but the Spirit enables us to stay away from it. And last week we talked about the Trinity, how we need all three, right? You can't have one without the other. If we're going to believe in, this, in the, start, the plan of salvation, we have to believe in each step. The Father authored the plan. The Son executed the plan, right? And then the Spirit enables the plan to work in your life. We need all three. We have to believe in all three. We can't have one without the other. And I love what 1 John, this is the same guy who wrote the book of John. 1 John says this in 5, 7, and 8. It says, for there are three that bear witness. There's that word again. To reveal, to bring enlightenment, to, to, to show revelation, right? For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. The Word being Jesus, the, Holy, the Trinity. The next verse says this, and these three are one. The next verse says this, and there are three that bear witness on earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. 
And these three agree as one. And, and, and Daryl, I know you watched this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip a little bit of this from, from Robert Morris's sermon because this is so good. Uh, I would love to take credit for this. I'm doing the illustration a little different, so I'll take credit for that. But this is so good. I might even share this uh, little clip on, on my timeline later today, so be on, be on the lookout for that. But these three bear witness, meaning that, that to show that something exists, that something is true. They bear witness to the supernatural life, to the abundant life, to the, to the extraordinary life, the impossible, to show that it is true. Every aspect, spirit, water, blood. So, so let me, let me, let's break this down. If you've read the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you might be familiar with this. But there was this thing called the tabernacle or even the temple. And there was stages that the priest had to go through before he made it to the Holy of Holies, to the place where the glory of God was, to the presence of God. And there was different stages that, that the priest had to go through. And the first one, uh, when he entered, there was an altar. And at the altar there, they had to sacrifice and pour out the blood of a lamb. Sound familiar? And so they would come in and they would, they would pour out their sacrifice. And this, this is just grape juice. It's not blood. And, and, and so we, we, by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have salvation. We're starting to get closer to the presence. And by, by, this, is, this step right here is all you need to get to heaven. No one comes to the Father except by me. This, this is what you need. And, and so if we were to continue, this was the altar, right? This is where the blood was poured out. If we, and, and then they would go to the next step. And there was a laver here or a big bowl. And, and they would wash their hands. Sounds a lot like baptism. And so... We're getting closer. We, we've been saved. We've been covered in the blood. We've got the blood in our life and covers a multitude of sin. We come over here. We've been baptized, filled with the water, washed away our sins. And we want to get closer to the presence of God. And this is, this is the next step right here. And I'm about to break this down. But we got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so many people, so many believers are like, Okay, I've been, I give my life to Jesus. The blood of the lamb saves me. I love it. I'm covered. I come over here. I get baptized, right? Washes away my sin. And then we see the next step, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're like, that's weird. <laughs> right? But what would happen to the priest? If they skip the step, they die. And here's the problem. So many believers are walking around spiritually dead. It's the Holy Spirit that enables and empowers. And, and, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I want to. I just like, I don't have the power to. I just can't. Have you, have you talked to the Holy Spirit? And so we're walking around covered in the blood, washed away, but we're having problems living the life, and sin keeps on. Uh, uh, where's my cup? I'm not, I'm not going to do a splash zone today. Right? We walk around, and, and we just can't. We, we've, I'm going to do it. <laughs> right? We, we come and we give our life to Jesus, and we go by step. We give our life to Jesus, and we go to the next step, and we get washed. And then we walk out of the house, and by Monday, we're dry. Amen. And we're dealing with sin. Where's my sin? Dealing with sin that we're hiding. And if we would just learn to let the Spirit upend us. And pour into us the oil to overflowing. I, want I wish y'all could see this. We need like an overhead camera. 
there's like this, this perimeter around this glass. Because where sin abounds, grace does more abound. And it pushes back, and we're covered with the anointing and covered with the Holy Spirit. And because we're, we're filled, right, no room for sin. Because our taste has changed, because we're feasting on the glory of God. And we enter into his presence, and he enables us to live free from sin. We're covered. Yes, we're, we're covered. We're washed away. But wouldn't it be so much better if we could live free from it? And that's, what, that's the power of the Holy Spirit, to be baptized, not just in water or blood, but in the Holy Spirit, the oil. To be changed. I saw a pastor friend of mine share this. Y'all remember the story of uh, uh, the demon? Did I share this? Who did I share this with? Was it Wednesday night? The, the, the demon gets cast out, and the house gets cleaned and put in order and swept, and it looks pretty. But then seven more spirits come and inhabit and make even more of a mess. And, and I saw a pastor friend post this. It's not about being clean. It's not about looking pretty. It's about being filled. It's an empty house. It's about being filled because if I'm filled with the Spirit, then the other spirits can't, they don't have room for, for themselves. Amen. So there's this process. What do you need for heaven? You need the blood. But to live in the abundance, to live in the extraordinary, to live in the impossible, to live in the abundant life that Jesus promises, you need the Holy Spirit. And then you could experience the full glory of God. You can't skip a step. He enables you and empowers you. Is this helping anybody? Is this, is this, is this working? Amen. See, the, the priests had to go through all three, and if they skipped one, they would die. There's a process. And we even see that this is the Old Testament. This is before Acts. Do you, do you see the imagery here? It's always been at work. That's not coincidence. So number two, to share your belief, one, you need to, to uh, the first thing is sharing your belief. The second one is this, live your belief. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables you to live what you believe. It's a lifestyle. Amen? How? How do we do that? Jesus is the who. The Father is the why. I need to be back in relationship with him. That's the why. Jesus is the who, the Father is the why, and the Holy Spirit is the how. How do we get there through the Holy Spirit? You may be beautiful on the outside. You may think you have your life together. But it's not about being clean only. It's about the infilling and being filled, moving from ordinary to extraordinary, moving from impossible to possible. That no matter what it looks like around me, I know a father will take care of his children because the spirit testifies to my spirit that I'm a child of God. And the father will always take care of his children. And again, this is why this is important. The enemy is not just going to attack your prayer life, not just going to attack your family, not just attack your finances. He's going to attack you where it hurts you the most, and that's what you believe. And if we're filled with the Spirit, and His thoughts become my thoughts, Amen. and His identity becomes my identity, then there's no room for doubt. There's no room for disbelief or unbelief. We're going to break that down in a couple of weeks. Because they're different, disbelief and unbelief. They're different. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is essential in the walk and life of a believer. And it's not weird because it comes from Jesus. John the Baptist said that he is the one who baptizes in the Spirit. He is the one who baptizes with fire. Jesus is. 
It's not weird. It's not demonic. It comes from Jesus. And, and this is what I love. This is, this is the, did we talk about this at the men's thing? This is the logos, the logos. This is the written word of God. The devil knows this. He, he quoted it against Jesus and being tempted. The devil knows the word. The devil knows the logos. But the devil will never know the rhema. That fresh spoken word. The fresh revelation of who God is. This is why it's, it's so important that we live in the spirit. Walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. To always receive the rhema word, the fresh revelation of God every day. Because he knows this, and he'll twist this. But if you're walking in the fresh revelation, he can't twist that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Y'all with me? I promise I'm about to wrap it up. Five more hours. And, and the church, so many believers are so divided on this subject. So, there's so much uh, uh, disagreement and even dissension from this. Why? Because the early church, the disciples, they didn't have a theological degree. They didn't have seminary. They didn't have church buildings. They didn't have... Uh, magazines and, and theological publications. They didn't have Matthew Henry's commentary. But what they had was the Holy Spirit. Amen. And by the Holy Spirit, they cast out demons. And by the Holy Spirit, people were healed. And through the Holy Spirit, people were raised from the dead. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit upon the early church, the world was turned upside down. Do you know why the devil wants to insert doubt and make you uh, uh, think differently about the Holy Spirit? Because he's afraid that if you understood the power of the Spirit at work in you, you would turn his world upside down. You need the Holy Spirit. You need it. It is essential. Stand with me as we close. I promise. I told you I was getting closer. I love what Acts 1.8 says. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples as he's about to ascend to heaven. This is days after uh, the resurrection Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but you will receive power. When? What? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why do you need that? Because you will be his witness. You'll be his witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the remotest parts of the world. And I've preached on this before, and I, want to, I feel like I need to hit it again. You cannot reach the remotest part of the world until you reach your Jerusalem. Amen. Fathers, mothers, parents, your home is your Jerusalem. Right. What does your witness say about your Jesus in your home, in your Jerusalem? Your Judea and Samaria, that's your workplace, the schoolhouse, uh, Walmart. That we'll call Walmart Samaria. <laughs> In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, as far as the remotest part of the earth, you need this power, this ability. to be an effective witness you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life that word witness uh, in the Greek actually translates to martyr you will be my witness are you willing to lay down your life for the truth And I'm not just saying physically. Are you willing to lay down the life that you're living 
for the truth. What does Paul say? We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. You will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea. You don't, there has to be a life change. And here's the thing. We present our, our bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice. Here's the thing. The fire doesn't fall on an empty altar. That makes sense? If we're going to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we got to be willing to get on the altar. Fire does not fall on an empty altar. We have to be willing to lay our life down physically and spiritually and mentally to live as though we believe. Is this making sense to anybody? Your life may look put together. You might, it may look beautiful on the outside. But if you refuse to lay your life down and the way you're living, and you refuse to change your lifestyle and let them consume your life, if you refuse that, you will walk around powerless. There's one phrase that I, I just... I don't like hearing one as a father, another as a leader, and, and that's some of my leaders in here might know where I'm going with this. It's the phrase that simply says, I can't. Don't tell me we can't. We can't. We just got to figure out how to do it. Don't tell me you can't change your life if you haven't tried the power to do it, if you haven't sought the power to do it. If you haven't sought the anointing to do it, the enabling. And this is what I love, Acts chapter 1. Uh, if we were to go back to, to verse 4 and 5, let me, let me pull it up. I closed my Bible. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will be empowered. You will be my witnesses. But right before that, in verse 4 and 5, Jesus says this, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait on the Father. Don't leave, but wait on what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They had to be willing to wait. They had to get into the upper room. We know the story, Acts chapter 2. They had to be willing to wait willing to give their time willing to give their resources to give up their resources willing to come together and wait that word I love that word Daryl I've used this plenty of times preaching that word wait means to bind together it's not just sitting around like this it's binding together come here Paul it's saying I'm going to wait on the Lord I'm going to wait until I get it. It's like, it's like Jacob wrestling. Remember? It, he joined together. He wrestled until. He said, I'm not letting go until. I'm not letting go until I get it. Are you, are, thank you. Are you willing to, to, to wait and bind together and say, God, I'm not leaving your presence. I'm not leaving this moment until. I need it because I need my life to change. My family needs to see my life change. My coworkers need to see my life change. I'm not letting go until. And so they come together in the upper room and they, and they wait on the Lord. And they were all in one accord. They were all unified in their thinking. They were all unified in their pursuit. And on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, it says a sound like a mighty rushing wind invaded the place. It's like a, I love the, there's a, a Spanish... Uh, translation that says it was like a hurricane. The sound of a hurricane invaded the room. Whew. And it said, and there appeared fire resting on each one of them. They waited and the fire fell. They gave all that they were, gave all of their pursuit, all of their all of, all of what they needed. And here's the thing, Jesus said it. If you just go and wait for me, not many days from now, the Holy Spirit will come. He said it. They believed it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Are you, willing to, are you willing to wait and bind together with him until? 
But let me, let me encourage you, don't let it be that moment. It's just like salvation is not just for a moment. It's for a lifestyle. To believe that miracles are normal. To believe that demons can flee. To believe that healing is possible. We're going to sing this song in a couple days. What is, this, what is the name of it? I love that song. Too good not to believe. Y'all keep it. Let's do it next week. Can we do it next week? We're doing it next week. Jesus said it, and they believed it. And here's the thing. In the Old Testament, we looked at this illustration. In the Old Testament, there sat a throne room in the temple. There's a place where the glory of God dwelt. It was there. And they had to go through the process to get there. And on the throne room set the presence or the glory of God. We look in John and he says, we beheld the glory of God. See, see you are the temple. And in, in your temple, there's this throne room. There's this throne on your heart where the glory of God wants to dwell and where you need it to dwell to change your heart. I don't just give my life to Jesus, I give my heart to Jesus because the Bible says the heart is most deceitful above all things. So I need the thing that's challenging my beliefs. I need the things that's lying to me to be changed and given to him. And it's the fire that fell in the throne room. And it's the same thing that happens in, when, we, when we seek the presence of God, seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fire falls from heaven upon our heart. And now we being filled with the presence of God by the Holy Spirit, we carry that glory. And people see that glory in our life. Not, not because it's about me, but because people need to see to believe. What I love about John and his entire book, not once does he mention a parable. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus uses parables. John said, I ain't going to do that. I'm going to show you that he was the son of God by what he did. The power, the works, the signs, the wonders. Because let's be honest, we need to see to believe. And that glory at work in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, people need to see it so that they will believe. That's the power of your witness. John said the Spirit descended and remained. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to remain with us. In John chapter 14, he calls him our helper, our comforter. I love Robert Morris. He uses his illustration. How many of y'all have like comforters in your home, ladies? How many of them like they are not for use? <laughs> like you spend the money on a comforter, it looks all pretty. But when you go to bed at night, it comes off and you don't touch that. Fold it up, put it off to the side. I love the way Robert Morris puts it. He's... He says, the comforter is for use. It's not something to just set off to the side and look pretty when it needs to look pretty. The comforter is for use in your life. And it should be active in your life. Amen. Signs and wonders for people to see. And Jesus said that you would do it. He said, you see all these things. John chapter 14, he says, you see all these. I've done all of these things. He says, truly, truly, I say to, the, say to you, the one who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. But he didn't just say he will do also. He says, and greater works abundantly. You are, see, you are, you are to be a carrier of the glory of God, the presence, the Holy Spirit of God to do exceedingly and abundantly more. To do greater things. But you need the Holy Spirit to do it. Not that it's about you, 
but that so people will believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and for giving us the gift of the Spirit so that we can walk not according to the flesh, not according to the things of this world, but by the Spirit. To see through spirit eyes, through kingdom eyes. To understand that this world that we're in, this ain't it. And people around us need to learn and understand that this ain't it. And that you want us to believe and that you want us to walk in the anointing and to walk in the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray today that people would be, uh, that your church would be willing to step out, to bind together with you, to wait on the Lord and to refuse this pursuit, refuse leaving this pursuit until. And just like Jacob wrestling, have our identity completely changed. A new man or a new woman with a new walk and a new lifestyle dedicated to you. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere, everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving. Or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week. And may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and be uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.